coming up on today's show. Is it a solution to the catalytic converter theft problem? Probably not, but hey, every little bit helps. We'll speak with Cal Tire, who partnered with the Calgary Police Service on a new campaign. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, they have both now been found to have classified documents off-site, improperly stored. And hockey has an Ovechkin problem? We certainly did. Now we're talking about his chase for Gretzky's gold title. What happened? Here on this show, we've talked, uh, and it's been a while, but we've talked before about the catalytic converter situation, right? And, and what a gong show that's turned into in our, not only our province, but I think in a lot of locations around the world, um, thieves have really targeted catalytic converters. And we had a story a while ago where um, the Edmonton Police Service came up with a sort of a contest, a campaign where if you could come up with a way to deter and reduce the number of catalytic converters that were stolen in the Edmonton area, you could qualify for a $50,000 prize, I think. Uh, we should update that contest. I, I haven't heard of a winner being reported just yet, but we've had a lot of you call in with really good ideas on how to deal with catalytic converter thefts and try and cut down. Well, Calgary Police yesterday announced uh, a new strategy that they're launching. They've partnered up with Cal Tire on a new initiative, essentially engraving catalytic converters with VINs, vehicle identification numbers. So um, I think that's what it is. Anyway, we're going to chat with Alex Earl, who is the Calgary Zone Manager of Cal Tire. Alex, thanks for being here. I appreciate your time. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. So did I have it right? Is that the campaign? It's engraving vehicle identification numbers on catalytic converters? That's correct, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what's the hope here? What what will that do? What's the what's the aim of the program? Yeah, so the aim of the I mean we're very proud of Cal Tire to partner with Calgary Police, obviously, in this this initiative that they're going through. So the idea is that the customer will come in to a cattle tire and will engrave their, their VIN number onto the catalytic converter. Some you can get to, some you can't. So that's the same thing with thefts uh, when they happen. So we'll, we'll engrave that on there and we'll stick a decal on the window. So the idea is to deter the thief okay. from cutting out the, the catalytic converter. Okay, that's a great idea. So, I mean, the thief's walking by. I mean, a lot of this is just make it just a little bit less attractive and they'll move on. So that's part of what this campaign hopes to do. Right. right. Now, in terms of what what added advantage you have if your catalytic converter has been engraved with the vehicle identification number, what, what does that give you aside from just the deterrent factor with the sticker? Yeah. So basically, if the thief takes the catalytic converter, they're obviously wanting to sell that and they want to take that to the various shops around. But Calgary Police has... Uh, is uh, is very much kind of clamped down. And if anything is altered on the catalytic converter, whether it's they see the VIN number, that's okay. But if it's altered in any way, so even if it's if it's taken off the VIN number, the shops are not really supposed to be taking those because it is altered and it is illegal. Okay. And I imagine, you know, if police do find a stolen catalytic converter and it has been engraved, you have the option of getting it back. I mean, is that something that might be, I mean, you probably have to get a new one in the meantime anyway, don't you? Right. Yeah. It's going to be pretty noisy when you start your car yeah. if it's not there. And that's a lot of examples of being that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much like a, like your SIN number. It goes directly to you. That VIN number goes directly to the vehicle. Now, in terms of the engraving and what it's going to be like, I mean, we know that, I mean, they, they're using sawzalls and angle grinders to cut out these. Can they just use the angle grinder and, and take off the VIN? I mean, how, how um, permanent do you think this engraving is going to be? No, they can absolutely take, you know, take off the VIN because we, we just engrave that in. They can take it off. But like I say, if they go to, to pass it on and get a sale from it, if, yeah. that, if that cat is actually altered in any way, it is illegal, and that's when Calgary Police Service will follow up, and it is supposed to be reported. 
So, I mean, yeah, you're basically, you're basically just going to be advertising the fact that this is a stolen catalytic converter if you've got a, 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 you know, a grind mark on it then. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, people who want to get involved, who think this is a good idea and something they'd like to do, how do they go about doing it? Yeah, they'll just, just give, obviously this is in Calgary at the moment, so Calgary Police Service Initiative and, and surrounding area. So they'll just give give a call to a Caltire location. All Caltire locations are, uh, are ready to go and involved. The phones are ringing pretty hot after the announcement yesterday and booking up pretty fast. So they just book in for about an hour. We we need a little bit of time for the car to, to cool down, obviously, because it's piping hot sure, when yeah. it comes in. So and once it's cooled down, we'll uh, we'll engrave the VIN number on there. And and while while we're at it, we'll we'll, we'll do a complimentary brake and tire inspection and front end inspection while it's while the vehicle's cooling down but really to answer your question just give it give one of your, your local cal tire a call and we'll book you in for a for an appointment and, and go from there but i can tell you that the phones are ringing pretty hot since the announcement yesterday and they've been ringing at most of the locations this Interesting. morning and the cost there's no cost to this alex there is a forty dollar charge. Okay, forty bucks. Um, just yeah which is pretty minimal just to get get it in there and on the hoist and and get it sure. done and yeah, and we'll do that inspection all at the same time. Uh, last question. Like you said, this is Calgary surrounding area right now. Um, if it's going great guns, is there a possibility this will be expanded? I know you have locations in other parts of the province. Uh, yeah, well, we've, we've got locations across the country. Yeah. So we're, we're really keeping an eye on this. Obviously, we're in today one and a half right, yeah. <laughs> on this right now. So we'll see how it goes. But if, if the interest is keeps on going with the... The, uh, the Calgarians at the moment, we're certainly going to analyze this and see where we go moving forward in partnerships elsewhere and continue a program. Right now, it's it's at this moment up until March 31st is the program, okay. the timeline. Excellent. You know? Alex, good information. I appreciate you filling us in on some of the details. Thank you. Um, we're going to do something that we rarely very rarely do on this show, and that is discuss Donald Trump. There's a certain topics that um, it's really hard to have a conversation around, and Donald Trump has been one of them. People are very passionate about Donald Trump, and it, it, it just it, it gets very reactionary very quickly. But there's been a development this week that's fascinating to me. Um, you, I'm sure you remember all the um, the top secret and classified documents that were seized from Donald Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago. Remember that, right? They raided Mar-a-Lago and they seized the documents and, and all the rest. Now, the Justice Department has been considering whether or not they need to lay charges against Trump in connection with those documents. It is against the law to have classified documents stored like there, there's rules around them um now i bet that's not going to happen now I, I i'd be shocked if it did not because what he did wasn't illegal or anything like that but because earlier this week it was revealed that classified documents had also been found at two locations connected to current president joe biden including at his office in washington all kinds of people will jump in and point out that these are very different cases they are they are in many many different ways but all of those things fall to the wayside when we're talking about politics in the United States. Everything is tribalistically political. And so is this. And I think it, 
it completely spins this whole situation on its head. Let's find out if our guest agrees. Dr. Robert Spiel, an associate professor of political science at Penn State University and an adjunct professor of politics and public administration, Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, Dr. Spiel, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. So the two cases, and, and let's just establish, they're different. Factually, they're different in a number of ways for sure. Does that matter at all politically and in the court of public opinion, do you think? I think we're going to have Republicans and Democrats trying to spin a different uh, uh, approach to this. And I, I think your analysis was right. I mean, the, the Republicans will be focusing on the fact that Biden also kept, uh, yeah. illegally kept presidential records at his office and home and make it sound like Trump and Biden did the same thing, uh, whereas Democrats are pushing the fact that there's also the issue of obstruction of an investigation uh, involved with the Trump papers, which might make the cases different. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, everything that happens uh, in politics these days is immediately immediately sent into two extremely different worlds. And we've already seen it happen, for goodness sake. I mean, it happens immediately. So uh, when you're talking about Donald Trump, how does this benefit him? And I'm sure his lawyers are very, very pleased with what's gone on this week. What's the advantage that he gets from this? Yeah, as you just said, I think this, I mean, a prosecution of Trump for violating the Presidential Records Act, which is the law saying that, you know, uh, ex-presidents and vice-presidents, uh, that, that, that their records belong to the public and not to them. I mean, a prosecution of Trump for violating that law now seems almost impossible. Now that the current president, it's clearly did the same thing uh, from when he was vice-president. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the special counsel appointed to investigate him has been looking into the obstruction issue, which is a little different in the fact mm-hmm. that he was trying to hide that, hide the fact that he had these records and would not turn them over. And we don't have evidence of that with Biden yet. So, for, for you know, yeah, as you said, as for now, the discovery this week that Biden also kept records from his time as vice president makes it almost impossible to prosecute Trump for the Presidential Records Act, but he still may be in legal trouble because of the obstruction part. Uh, you're right, absolutely. I mean, legally, if you're if you're if you're in the Justice Department and you're doing the investigation, and you you're, you're right. I mean, he could still be charged in both of these areas, um, the obstruction and and the violation of the of the act and, and the way these documents need to be handled. Do you think he will be? If you're in the Justice Department, I mean, the political calculation has been overriding this right from the very beginning, and what it would mean if you do go ahead with criminal prosecution. Doesn't this make this even more improbable, if not impossible? It's hard to know because you know the special counsel is also investigating Trump's role in, in uh, the December and excuse me the January sixth, twenty twenty one. You know the, the the ride at the Capitol and the attempt to overthrow uh, the election results from November twenty twenty, and so the special counsel has to kind of weigh you know which of these cases. If either are, are something in which you could prove beyond a reasonable doubt in an American court, and and so I think I think even though the investigations are separate, they're being run by the same person in the United States, and I think to some extent whether he prosecutes for one is also going to depend on whether he prosecutes for the other. If, for instance, there are prosecutions related to the uh, what happened in January 2021 in the United States, the, the idea, the whole subject of the files at at Mar-a-Lago that Trump was keeping may get less media attention, may get less uh, attention from prosecutors, and perhaps you can end up with just, you know, a couple of staff members or lawyers who are prosecuted for obstruction rather than the former president himself. Right, exactly. And that, that, that's sort of what Biden has been saying about the situation he's in. He says, I, I didn't know there were any documents there. I don't know who took them there and why they yeah. would have. So he's trying to put a layer of um, unaccountability, I guess, and they're saying, I didn't even know they were there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, some laws, you know, the emphasis on the fact that some of these files were classified uh, under the Espionage Act, which makes it illegal to remove classified yeah. files, you actually have to show willful intent 
And so far, obviously, there's no willful intent as involving Biden. There is no proof that he knew what he was doing or he did it intentionally, at least yet. Yeah. Uh, with with Trump, you know, the fact that the hot files were intentionally hidden and then moved around in Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's bigger problems with that. Uh, but when they, when they want, if a prosecutor wants to show willful intent, they're probably more likely to go after the staff members or lawyers who knew exactly what they were doing than perhaps the former president who, you know, may have some deniability and say, I didn't know what they were doing with all this stuff. In terms of the damage this could do to Biden, the question I want to ask is, do we reach a point of saturation? I mean, I think Democrats have reflexively rallied to say, hey, it's not the same thing and, and defend Joe Biden. And on the other side of the aisle, can he be demonized anymore? I mean, he's being painted as... Does this does this change the perception of Joe Biden in the American voting population, or is that already cemented? I don't know that this particular incident would. I, I think, you know, for, for a general public who may not, who may or may not be paying close attention to what's involved here, I mean, I think that a lot of Americans are just going to get the attitude that all the former presidents and vice yeah. presidents yeah. do it. This is just something everyone does, which of course helps Trump uh, and makes, you know, makes him less demonized for this one particular uh, type of uh, potential crime of having the presidential records. With Biden, I mean, the, the American public already has this impression, which was in, intentionally perpetuated by uh, Trump during his 2020 presidential campaign, that Biden is a little older and maybe isn't paying close attention to various things, and that that might just reinforce that image. Right, Uh, exactly. Yeah, but I, I think overall it, it's 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 the type of issue which this is probably as you've already said going to help Trump uh, get away with with the whole presidential records issue. Uh, but I think in the long term, it, it probably the fact that either president had presidential records may be something that doesn't last in the public's attention very long. But we'll see. It depends what else they find out. Yeah. It's fascinating. And like you say, the story is probably far from over. And, um, you know, in terms of the drips and drabs that happened with Donald Trump, where there was just more and more and more, um, is there any indication that Biden's not going to try and go through that and try and get everything handled as quickly as possible and go through everything and make, if there is any more, get it out? <laughs> He seems to be doing that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they searched it, you know, today, and I don't, I don't know if you've heard the reports about this. Today, some of the new evidence, or some of the new presidential records, man, were actually at his home uh, in Delaware. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, somewhere, at, I guess, in a storage area in his garage. And I think the claim that I heard, I've heard today, and this is all just happening, you know, as we're talking in, in the news, uh, I think the claim I heard today is that, you know, his lawyers and other people have searched various places where Biden has lived or worked, and this is all they found so far. So, if you know, if this is the end of it, it's not... It's not good for Biden, obviously, but it, it may not be a long-term story the way perhaps some Republicans would like it to be. But there may, you know, maybe there maybe there is more out there. We don't know yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. Everything is. Uh, Doctor Spiel, thank you so much with your time. I really appreciate you being here. Alex Ovechkin. Continuing his march towards Wayne Gretzky's all-time goals scored record. I don't know if he'll get there. I think there's a pretty good chance. I hope he doesn't, though, just because I really like Gretzky. Um, he might, though. He might. He's moved into second place uh, last month, uh, passing Gordy Helm. Nonetheless, he's all over. Uh, NHL right now, social media, the internet. They're, they're talking a lot about Alex Ovechkin and you know updating the race all the time. He's a big deal. The league is capitalizing on it, which is a far cry from where we were not that long ago when he was in the spotlight for a very different reason. And that reason was his relationship with Vladimir Putin. Kind of seems like all is forgotten and forgiven, but but should it be? We're going to have a conversation now with uh, a writer who recently put together a very good piece on this, and you can read it if you would like to on um, The Line. 
Mitch Heimpel joins us now. He's worked with both Conservative cabinet ministers and party leaders at the provincial and federal levels. He's currently the Director of Campaigns and Government Relations at Enterprise Canada. Mitch, thanks so much for uh, joining us. I appreciate your time today, sir. Good to be back with you, Shay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Really good. You know, I, I was reading your piece and I was kind of like, hey, wait a minute. Mitch is on to something here. I remember this was a big deal for a while, but it, it's just dropped completely out of the conversation, right? We don't worry about Ovechkin's ties to Putin anymore. What happened? Uh, so I, I do want to credit a few writers who've been really good about about staying on this one. Uh, Slava Malamud is a, is a Russian uh, writer in the United States who was born in, in the U.S., the former USSR. Um, also, Luke Fox at Sportsnet did a great piece on this. I think right after Ovechkin tied Gordie Howe. Um, right. So all all those are worth going back to. So some writers have been on this, but I think the larger reason is just we've always sort of been captivated by the, and it's usually described as like a childlike enthusiasm Ovechkin has for for, for the sport. Yeah. Right? Love like the way he, he plays the game. Sure. Right. Right. Like he he's a happy guy. He's out there speaking at, at other players. He's he seems indestructible. Like when guys run into him, like there's all that kind of stuff. And so it's very difficult for us to, in this case, I think probably separate the art from the artist a little bit. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And and you know what? In a lot of instances, that's that's probably a good exercise. But in this one, I don't know. I mean, we have this tendency, and it's, I mean, you look at the examples. There's a many, many of them in terms of um, putting in uh, pretty low expectations, giving a pass to athletes. I mean, we've got we've got convicted criminal criminals, all all kinds of people, and you know, people wearing their jerseys and cheering them on. Is this one that different? I mean, we're we're talking about war crimes and the invasion of a sovereign country. It seems like it should be different. So yeah, like listen, I will admit that the piece came up for me because in my neighborhood here in Belleville, Ontario, like we all the dads in the neighborhood put up the outdoor rink, and it's usually about a quarter the size of a full hockey rink in the park across the street. And I was looking out the window the other day, and I saw some kids playing. One of them had an Ovechkin jersey on. He looked at me about nine, ten years old, and I kind of went, "Oh man, like." Our sports heroes don't have to be perfect, and they never have been. That's right. right. Like, and, and and you can look. The NFL has an abhorrent history on this with, with domestic violence and other things. Um, it's just like so. We should care who our kids look up to. We should always care who they look up to because you will emulate what you respect, right? You're, mm-hmm. You will you will you will deal, seek approval from that kind of behavior, and so. I looked at this and I went, okay, the NHL actually has some questions to answer with Ovechkin. Like some sports leagues have tried, you know, UEFA and FIFA have tried to deal with, with Russian participation, whether that's teams or players or whatever. We've seen uh, the, the tennis associations do the same thing, but the NHL is kind of like, we will get one statement out from Ovechkin right after the Ova- invasion, and then we will just pray to God nobody asks him another question about right. this. I think you're right. I think um, it's, okay, we got a situation here, Ovi, we need you to do something, uh, do it, and then never speak of it again. And I think you're, and, and we need to be the ones that decide whether or not that is enough. The question is, what should we, what do we expect of him? What should our expectation of him be? Um, you know, people talk about the risk that he, his family might face, all these sorts of things. I mean, what's a reasonable expectation of Alexander Ovechkin. So, and this is this is a fair point, right? Like, and it's important that we take some some lessons from from like people who are actual national security experts on this, and their opinions basically range from Alexander Ovechkin is so well resourced as a human being, like we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that like. He 
he could easily relocate his family to the United States if he felt they were in danger. And, and somebody who commented on the pizza case said, like, he had the perfect excuse. He was going to pass Gordy Howe in the all-time NHL record book. Like, bring the entire family over here. Yeah. And, and just stay, right? Because this is, if people, you know, we have some, we probably have some listeners that don't have super long memories on this, but like when Alex Mogilny defected from the USSR at the end of the 80s, like he had to be smuggled out of the World Junior Tournament in Sweden in the back of a car. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, you know, there's been all kinds that have defected and come over here. Yeah. So it's not, it, the, the options are open to Ovechkin. He's chosen not to take them. And so, the other question we have to ask ourselves is what what danger is Ovechkin really in? And, and in Putin's Russia, we don't really have a good way of knowing that. There are some experts who will say he is such a a cultural icon in Russia. He's the, the biggest Russian athlete on the planet, right? Yeah, sure. That that any attempt to to somehow like uh, cause harm to him would be like political suicide for Vladimir Putin. On the other hand, we're talking about a guy who is like poisoned opposition in broad daylight. So nobody can be an authority on what the actual personal impacts to Ovechkin would be. But the flip side of that is he could have months and weeks ago used the, the, the immense resources at his disposal that certainly, by the way, also the NHL and the Washington Capitals would have put at his disposal if he needed them. Um, and he just hasn't. And then the reason he hasn't is, and, and this is, I, I wanted to put it in the piece, but like, you know, you can only have to do so much in, yeah. in 800 words, is like he formed what is known as Putin team in, in Russia after the invasion of Crimea. It's not like Ovechkin didn't know who Putin was and then a bad thing happened and he was just caught. Like he did this after Putin had already annexed parts of Ukraine in 2014. And he recruited other NHLers to be a part of it. Like this is a wild thing. Like we're not we're not talking about like Matt Schmeling ending up in, a, in an unfortunate propaganda photo in the 30s. Like, <laughs> like, like we're talking about a guy who like not only was in those photos and by the way to this day still has a photo of himself with Vladimir Putin as his Instagram, Instagram pro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like he's recruiting people to be a part of this. Like he's like he's, he's part of the Ministry of Propaganda. He's not a victim of it. What I'm wondering, you know, and I'm getting texts from people. Uh, Greg says Ovechkin's a Putin supporter. Deny him a visa into Canada. Uh, Terry says Shay, we should ban all Russians from playing in the NHL as the other professional sports did. I mean, do we go that far, Mitch? Is that what we need to do? I mean, get involved at that level. So I, I would say a couple things. Uh, the first of which is there are Ukrainian Canadian organizations and, and, and diaspora organizations that are calling on the federal government to ban Ovechkin yeah. from getting a work visa to play. I believe it's in Toronto next, the end of the month. If you want to be a part of those efforts, go online, become a part of those efforts. It's not, it, it won't hurt, certainly. Um, I, I want to give massive kudos to the, the hockey fans out in Western Canada, uh, not only for how they reacted to this last spring, which was great, mm-hmm. but also for the welcome they just gave the Ukrainian under-25 team in Edmonton, in Winnipeg, like across the West. That was incredible. But no, we shouldn't kick all Russians out of the NHL. We have Russians like Artemi Panarin, yes. who, are out, who are outspoken against Vladimir Putin, um, who like have made the right decision. Like, like in the long view of history, like on this particular decision they had to make, did the right thing. And so we should have some recognition of nuance that you can just being a Russian shouldn't be sufficient grounds to boot you out of the league. Like, 
if, if we if that was the case, we wouldn't have all these great examples of dissidents. And in the piece, I talk about the Iranian men's national uh, uh, soccer team who went to the World Cup and used yeah. their stage to cast a light on the bad stuff that was happening in Iran with regards to the hijabs and and, and the the uh, the Masa Amini incidents and all these things. Like, if you deny the stage to all Russians on the basis of being Russian, you may miss good moments as well as like punishing what is obviously bad behavior. That's the thing. It's got to be almost a a case-by-case, day-by-day kind of a situation. You can't just throw a blanket over all of this. I think you're right because, you know, I mean, you're right. Panarin took an entirely, the opposite approach to Ovechkin. So uh, I I don't know legally what can be done. I guess that would be up to the government. But uh, I don't know how he would go down that road, who starts establishing what those lines are that can't be crossed. That's the issue, Mitch. Um, You know what, I... It would be an interesting question, or, or it would be something interesting to see if either the federal immigration minister, which is Sean Fraser, or the prime minister um, decided that they were going to deny Ovechkin a visa. I don't know that that would... I, I, I would be interested to see what the NHL did next, because I don't think they know. I think it is such a baked-in assumption that they have that a Canadian government would never do this, that if they were confronted with a government that actually did... Um, I don't know that they'd have what their response would be. I'd be, be fascinating to find out. It would also set a precedent that for uh, for other countries that I, I would uh, I think would be an escalation in the conflict. Certainly across the right. world. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a it's an issue that I, I think will come back. You know, especially as he starts, like you say, when, once he has trips to to Canada and things like that, it seems to come back into the to the news a little bit. And it's an important conversation. Mitch, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.